Now, if you will, would you take a Bible and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the rack in front of you. If you open up to page 563 in those Bibles, you'll be in Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12 is a short little chapter. It's beautiful. It's a song of praise. But in Isaiah 12 uh, is really one of the most powerful and important verses in the Old Testament. And so we have the opportunity today in this short chapter uh, to hear this verse and to focus on it and think about it. So I'm going to read the whole chapter beginning in verse 1. Isaiah 12, page 563. It begins, in that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Now, I told you this passage in Isaiah contains one of the most important and powerful verses in the Old Testament. It's in verse 2, and that's where we're going to spend our time looking at and thinking about this verse. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. As we begin, I want you to notice, do you see that word defense in verse 2? Do you see how there is a superscripted B right next to it? If you look down in sort of the footnotes, it will say, or song, which means that word could be translated defense. It could also be translated song. I happen to think song is the better translation because this word and related words are used throughout the book of Psalms and are translated there as song. And what I think is going on is the writer is saying, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Now, when you look at this verse or you hear this verse, it's a beautiful verse. The Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. But just like with Dwight and Melissa and their story of going to Romania, simply the fact that God called them to Romania and, is there, and they are there serving is powerful. But when you know a little bit of the history of how they got there and how their being there is a fulfillment of prayers that I'm sure were prayed by Lorenz and others hundreds of years ago, it adds a richness and a depth to that story. So to this verse taken by itself is a beautiful verse. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. But this verse has a history and it also has a future. 
and that as we look at its history and at its future, this beautiful verse becomes even richer in meaning and power. And so what I'd like to do this morning is trace a little bit of this verse's history and then show where it heads in the future, all pointing to the fact that the God that we serve weaves all things together. So if you're willing, would you turn back now to the book of Exodus chapter 15? Exodus chapter 15. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. And if you're using one of the church Bibles, it's page 56. Now, while you're turning back from Isaiah 12 to Exodus 15, you're turning back hundreds of years, probably about 700 years. The setting for the passage we're going to look at is that the children of Israel have been in captivity in the nation of Egypt for hundreds of years. The captivity and the slavery has gotten worse and worse until finally they're crying out to the Lord to come and rescue them. The Lord hears their prayers and he sends Moses to tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to release his people from captivity. Pharaoh refuses. And so Moses performs 10 great signs and wonders showing Pharaoh that God means business. God effectively forces Pharaoh's hand. He pries it open and and Pharaoh releases the children of Israel to leave Egypt. After they've gone, Pharaoh changes his mind hardens his heart and decides to pursue the children of Israel to slaughter them in the wilderness. As they're escaping, Moses is leading the children of Israel effectively into a trap. He's led them up against the Red Sea. It's a big body of water that they cannot pass. The mightiest army on the earth at the time, the Egyptian army with their horses and chariots and trained warriors, is bearing down on the children of Israel, and there is no hope for them except slaughter and death. It is certain death. In the midst of this, they look to Moses, and Moses says these words to them in Exodus 14, before we get to Exodus 15. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And indeed, that is what God does. He opens up the Red Sea and the children of Israel pass through on dry ground. When the chariots of Egypt try to follow, the Lord closes the Red Sea upon them and they are all wiped out. Exodus 15 which is called the Song of Moses, which is one of the songs we sang this morning, is what they wrote in response to this incredible deliverance, salvation, and rescue. Look at it with me, Exodus 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Now look at this next verse. Does this sound familiar? The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. 
Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. Did you hear our verse from Isaiah chapter 12? The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. The first time those words were uttered, they were sung in a song of praise to God who showed up and did what no one thought was possible. He did a miraculous rescue, and all the children of Israel can do is stand up and sing, the Lord is our strength and our song. He has become our salvation. They went from death to life because God was with them. He said, don't be afraid. You don't have to do anything. I will fight for you. Just be still. And when he rescued them, they declared, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Turn over now, if you will, to Psalm 118. Psalm 118, sort of in the middle of the Bible, page 495 in the church Bibles. We're now turning forward hundreds of years, not quite to the point of Isaiah, to Psalm 118. We don't know exactly who wrote the psalm, and we don't know exactly the situation into which it was written, but you can tell from reading the psalm uh, that it's probably uh, a king of Israel, somebody who's in a leadership position who's in real trouble. We're going to read the first half of the psalm. Listen to Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. How long does his love endure? Forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. And then look at verse 14. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. We may not know the exact situation, but do you not feel the words of Psalm 118? Have you not been in a situation where you were hard-pressed? Where it felt like you were going to fall? Where you were pushed back against the edge? When there were enemies around you or there were difficulties, whatever it may be, and you cried out to God and God came and helped? The response to that? The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. That's the history of this verse. It's a verse about a saving, powerful, loving, 
God who says, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, I will help you. Well, with that in mind, turn back to Isaiah 12. Knowing a little bit about the history of the verse helps us recognize two things that are going on in Isaiah 12 that are different or bring added emphasis to things about that verse. In Exodus 15, it's a verse that is said when God rescues the nation of Israel from certain death. In Psalm 118, it is on the lips of a righteous person who was pushed back and ready to fall, and God showed up and rescued them. Here it is again in Isaiah 12, but I want to point out two differences in this usage than in the two prior ones. Listen as I read verse 2 again and see if you can catch. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Do you hear the difference? In Exodus 15 and in Psalm 118, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. In Isaiah 2, 12, 2, the Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Why this added emphasis? Why is God saying anytime you have in the Hebrew Bible something said twice or three times, it is additional emphasis? Why is God saying the Lord, the Lord himself? Well, in Exodus 15, you listen to that story, you think to yourself, well, it's no surprise God showed up to save them. They're the children of Israel. They're pressed up against the wall. They're the innocent victims here. They're about to be slaughtered. We expect God to show up and rescue people like that. In Psalm 118, you have a righteous person. You have a king. You have somebody who's trying to follow the Lord who's being persecuted for their faith and for their trust in God. Of course God showed up to save that person. Of course God is that person's strength and song. But notice in Isaiah 12, verse 1. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord, although you were what? Angry, angry with me. Your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. The difference in Isaiah 12 is this is being written to sinners. This is being written to people who had done things to anger God. This is being written to you and to me. It's being written to adulterers, to idolaters, to those who struggle with laziness, to those who struggle with greed, those who are proud and arrogant, those who suffer from insecurity and self-loathing, those who give in to gossip and bitterness and anger. When we do things that displease God, that's who Isaiah 12 is being written to. Those who are actions you would think would make God angry and cause him to want to have nothing to do with us. To people like us, God says, no, you too, and especially you, the Lord, the Lord himself is our strength and our song. He has become our salvation. We think, well, we've done so much stuff that God wants nothing to do with us. That Yes, if he was going to show up to save us, he'd do so with his nose plugged because he doesn't want to be around And so for added emphasis, God says, that is absolutely wrong. I delight 
to save you. Me, myself, I'm your strength and your song. And there is nothing that you can do. There is no way that you can make God angry enough that he doesn't want to come and rescue you. And the reason why there is this added emphasis is because we might think, unless you're the nation of Israel, the innocent victims being slaughtered, unless you're the righteous king being persecuted, that God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And God says, nothing could be further from the truth. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And God wants every single one of us here who think we've angered him, who think he wants nothing to do with us, to hear in the most emphatic terms possible. This is our verse. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And although he was angry with my selfishness, with my greed, with my abandonment, with my neglect, he has become my song, my strength and my song and my salvation. The second thing that's noteworthy about Isaiah, which once you see how it was used in the past, comes to mind, is how verse 2 emphasizes the he has become my salvation part. Look at how it's introduced. Surely God is my salvation. Now this is important because if you read Exodus 15 and you read Psalm 118, what it sounds like is going on is God did some stuff to rescue the Israelites, and God did some stuff to help the person in Psalm 118. That's true, but that's not really what Isaiah is getting at. He does not say, surely God is the one who saves me. Surely God is my salvation. God himself The focus is not on the stuff that gets done. The focus is on the fact that God himself is our salvation. I like to tell people I'm a fixer. It means I like to fix stuff. My wife Lisa is a planner. She likes to plan stuff. You may be a helper, which means you like to help people. I'm also a talker, which means I like to talk. God is a saver. It means at the core and the essence of who he is, he loves to save people. God himself is our salvation. That's at the core of who he is. Every situation God goes into, the situations I go in, I want to fix or I want to talk. The situations God goes into, he wants to save. He loves to rescue. That's who he is. And what Isaiah is getting at, don't miss the fact that when I say the Lord is my strength and my song, he has become my salvation. He himself is our salvation. It's not just that he sends angels to come help us. It's not just that he says the word and gives us what we need. He is our salvation, which please don't miss this. This is what this means. Whatever you and I need to be saved from, he will save us from. Do you need to be saved from loneliness? Do you need to be saved from persecution? Do you need to be saved from financial ruin? Do you need to be saved from a difficult marriage? Do you need to be saved from abandonment by parents? Do you need to be saved from difficulty at school? Do you need to be rescued from friends who have abandoned you? 
Do you need to be saved from a health situation? Do you need to be saved from doubt? Do you need to be saved from addiction? Do you need to be saved from sin? God is our salvation. It's not just that he saves. He is our salvation. Anything and everything you and I need to be saved from, he is our savior. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become, he has become my salvation. Not just he saved me. He himself is my salvation. He is with me. Everything I go through, he's ready to save. Anything you need him to save you from, he is your salvation. Now this verse not only has a past, it also has a future. After Isaiah 12 was written, it became an integral part of a Jewish festival called the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was a harvest festival. It takes place in September. And every year for seven days, uh, Jews from all over the country would come to Jerusalem. And there they would have a harvest festival celebration, meaning they would enjoy the fact that harvest is done. The, the, the hard work for the year has been finished. The harvest is brought in. There's plenty of food. They would eat and they would celebrate. They would also thank God and pray that next year there would also be a harvest. And so as part of the Feast of Tabernacles every morning, there was something called the water ceremony. And the Jewish priests would lead the people who were there in procession down from the temple, down to the Pool of Siloam. And there they would take a pitcher and fill it with water from the Pool of Siloam. And they would march back up to the temple with a, pool, with a pitcher of water and one of wine as well, and they would pour these out at the temple as an offering to God, both a thank offering for what God had done and a prayer asking God, please keep providing. They recognized that without water and without light, there was no food, and without food, there's no life. And so every year they thanked God for the prior year's provisions and then also were saying, Lord, we trust you that next year there will be more. Every day for seven days, while they carried that water, they would sing aloud Isaiah 12, verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Every day, Isaiah 12, 3. Singing with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Every day they would sing that. Now, when they sang it, they didn't sing it in English. They sang it in Hebrew. I'm not going to tell you the whole verse in Hebrew. I probably couldn't. But I will tell you one of the words. With joy you will draw water from the wells of Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew word for salvation. And so every year, year after year, for hundreds of years, during the Feast of Tabernacles, during the water ceremony, every morning they would get up, and as they're marching to the temple with the pitcher of water, saying Isaiah 12, 2 and 3, Surely God is my Yeshua. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my Yeshua. With joy you will draw water from the wells of Yeshua. And they said this for hundreds of years. Until one year, in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles, in the temple courts, as the water's being poured out, 
The Gospel of John records an eyewitness account of what happened in John chapter 7. On the last and greatest day of the festival, that's the festival of tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles, Yeshua, now we know him better by his Hellenized form, Jesus, Jesus is just the Greek pronunciation of the Hebrew name Yeshua. Yeshua stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. It's a quote from Isaiah 12, verse 3. It's a re recollection and a reminder, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my Yeshua. Isaiah 12 another passage, is the reason why Jesus is named Jesus. It's because God says he will save you. He will save people. That's what Jesus means. Yahweh saves. God saves. Yeshua. It's the word from Isaiah 12. It's the verse, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Jesus saves. And the reason he's named Jesus is because at the core of God's being, he's a savior. He is one who comes to save. And instead of sending rules, or instead of sending angels, or instead of sending miracles, God himself has come. Amen. That's why he's named Jesus. Isaiah 12, 2 and 3 also tells us why Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. If it was just Exodus 15 and Psalm 118, then Jesus would say, let anyone who is righteous and thirsty come to me. But Isaiah 12 says, let anyone, anyone who's thirsty for any reason. Just a couple of chapters earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus says to a woman who has soul thirst because of sexual immorality, because of horrendous marriage experiences and because of social rejection by the people around. He says, I will give you to drink of living water. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Let anyone who is thirsty, Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're thirsty because of your own sins or because what others have done to you. It doesn't matter if you have made God angry through your neglect, through your abandonment, through your sin, through your addictions, through the ways you've messed up your life. It doesn't matter if you've been a good parent or a bad parent, a good child or a bad child. It doesn't matter where you are or what you've done. If you want to be saved, God will save you in whatever way you need to be saved. Let anyone who is thirsty for any reason come and drink from the water of life that is Jesus. Isaiah 12 is also the reason why we speak today about Jesus being our personal Savior. It means that we're saved by a person, not by a set of rules, not by a religion, not by some kind things God does. God himself is our salvation. And the great thing about Jesus coming is we are one with him and he is one with us, which means that for all of eternity, our Savior is with us to save us not just from our past, 
Not just from our present, but everything we will need to be saved from whenever it comes. Tomorrow, when you go to school or you go to work, whatever you need to be saved from, your Savior is with you. The one who will save you from whatever comes next week or next month or next year. Whatever happens with your children when they grow up. What happens to you when you grow older. Whatever happens to you in school. Whatever happens to you at work. Whatever happens, whenever it happens, your personal Savior is with you to save you. If you find yourself in the middle of a hospital in a health crisis, having no idea how that happened, and you feel all by yourself, realize your personal Savior is with you. If you find yourself in the midst of a family crisis and you think, how in the world did this happen? Your personal Savior is with you. The great news is not just that God saves, but that He Himself has become my salvation. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation and will be my salvation forever and ever and ever. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, Seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.